brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Now, today we have the team behind the upcoming game known as Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Thanks for joining, y'all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. What's going on? Excited to be here. <laughs> I'm very excited, too. Uh, this is one that's been on my radar for a little bit. Uh, I kept seeing inklings of it and different, you know, videos coming out. And I was always like, what a, a wacky uh, just idea in general to, to make a game around this. But before we dive into the game, I always like to do a little bit of, you know, introductions as far as who the people are, uh, as far as, you know, those working on this actual game, because it's not just magic. There's actual people who uh, are involved in this process. Right. So let's let's go through some introductions. How about um how about we go through a little bit of like how you got into the game space in the first place and then uh, how you all started working on Turnip Boy? Cool. Um, I guess I'll go first. So, hi, I'm Jordan. Um, I got into game dev in seventh grade when I was shown Team Fortress 2 and I later nice. found out, yeah, I found out there was a map maker for it. And I was like, I want to make maps for TF2. And then I realized that you could just do environment art for games. And that was really cool to me. Um, and then it just kind of snowballed for there. I do the marketing for Turnip Boy, so I kind of got led astray, but I'm still <laughs> having a very fun time. <laughs> All right, very cool. Uh, yeah, so I, my name's Yukon. Uh, I'm basically the, the producer slash main programmer on Turnip Boy. Um, I started making games about 11 years ago on like Sploder or something when I was like a, a dumb kid. And uh, yeah, ever since then, I just like, I really liked like, whoa, you know, you can make these worlds and like kind of build your own story and, and flesh them out however you want. And so it just kind of once again snowballed where you know, I was making games for about 11 years. Uh, I w went to college for it. And uh, yeah, th this is just uh, my first big push into to commercial game dev. You know, we started our studio, we got a publisher. So it, it's it's been a wild ride, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. What about you, Jen? Yeah, hi, I, I'm Jen. Uh, I'm a 2D artist and designer, mostly doing like freelance work. I really started in high school, I was always interested in art and I was like, well, I love video games and I love art. I can make a career out of this. And I kind of mm -hmm. went from there. Um, but yeah, I'm the artist on Snoozy Kazoo and it's been a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and how did how did all of you uh, meet? Is this something where you all knew each other before creating the studio or did you get together afterwards? 
Um, so, well, we met in college. Uh, well, Jordan and I are actually in our last semester of college, yeah. which is pretty nice. wild. Um, congrats, congrats. But yeah, we, there. we've worked on a lot of projects together. Game jams, Yukon and I have worked on different contracts together. Uh, and that's kind of how we built our team dynamic to get to the point where we started Turn Up Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Right, right. That's cool. Uh, just to confirm, is this, this is the first project that the team is working on, correct? It's our like first major project. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, it's our it's our first big project. We've done a, like game jams and stuff before, and we we've actually tried to get a studio off the ground earlier, um, but this is the first like the I guess the biggest push that we've done. Um, mm. So yeah. Gotcha. Is it a is this a full time project or was this one of those? Because I know with indie games, I, I usually ask this question just because there's a lot of people who will start off as like, oh, this is just a side project, and then there's that inkling of like oh, this could really go somewhere, right? And then it becomes that full-time, like, let's fully dive into that. Like, what does that look like as far as Turnip Boy's uh, progression? It's funny because that's kind of exactly what happened. Yeah, that hits the nail on the head, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so I started Turnip Boy um, just as like a little Zelda-like. It, it didn't even have the tax evasion part. I did it in like for a Ludum Dare um, back, I think like two years ago now. Um, and so I, I basically just built out this little like, Zelda like about fruit and the, I never finished it. It was like, I threw it out. I was just like, I like the character, you know, it, it's, it's cute. Um, mm -hmm. his, his artwork was actually the same that's in game today. Uh, <laughs> so he hasn't changed much, but, um, yeah, no, it, it, we just built that. Um, and yeah, I, I figured, oh, cool. Maybe I'll return to this project at some point, uh, you know, threw it in the, the bin and then, um, Around that time, I was actually working on another game that I thought was going to be like, you know, my first big commercial game uh, that didn't pan out. And um, around that time, uh, I started pitching to Jen and Jordan. I was like, yo, like I wanted to do a new game. I want to do something different because back then I used to just do like stock fantasy uh, type stuff with like small uh, mixes up. So I didn't want to just like repeat that cycle. So I went to them and I'm like, all right, I have these two ideas. Um, one of them's, you know, about a turn up. I don't know what the story will be like or how it would be about. And so, uh, you know, everyone pushed me towards the turn up. Um, and then probably about half a year later, me and Jen were working on a contract together um, uh, for metagames uh, on Slayers for Hire. And we were just like, uh, we, we went to a cafe and then to a friendlies after and we were just talking about stuff while working. And uh, we started getting to the topic of like, okay, I want to start like a personal game. Um, and so we, in, in a friendlies, we really ironed out what Turnip Boy actually would have been um, or would be. So like we started talking about tax evasion. We had a bunch of jokes uh, and we thought, we thought originally we were like, this is the dumbest idea ever. Like there's no way in hell that, you know, yeah, <laughs> we're going to we do were this. Just shooting the shit really <laughs> yeah. yeah we're like what if he commits tax evasion because you know we all saw the yoshi commits tax fraud memes um right. yeah I, I i think it was because i needed a reason why he would get kicked out of his greenhouse um but yeah so around that time was like okay you know maybe that'll be the story i, I vividly remember saying that and then we started brainstorming something else and then we we're just like no that's that's shit let's just go back to the tax evasion <laughs> um, wow, i can't can't imagine what the uh the runner-ups must have been if they got booted for it <laughs> but uh since then um basically i i started t like tinkering with it on the side 
Um, I signed up for Boston Fig, which is just a, a, a local like convention in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to throw down some money on this to kind of motivate myself to build up this demo. Um, you know, and around that time, uh, it was just me and I kind of just cranked it out and we brought it to Boston Fig. Um, Jen and Jordan both helped ran the booth. Um, and it was basically just like, holy shit, like people really like this. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we had like this crappy banner, um, that like the art was good. Cause I had a friend, uh, who I commissioned to it, but like the name of the game was just like aerial text with an outline, but somehow that still drew attention and people were like, what the heck is turn up Blake it's tax evasion. Um, <laughs> and so like, we had a lot of people play it. They all really liked it. And so we're like, oh shit, cool. Okay maybe this should be something instead of just like a dumb meme game that I was working on for fun. Um, and so around that time it got more serious. Uh, I onboarded both Jen and Jordan as like actual team members. Uh, and we all just started getting crank cranking and just built this whole thing. Um, it was around the time that I graduated probably a semester after, uh, Boston fig that I started working on it full time. Uh, and that was around when, you know, we got into contact with graffiti and then, it became like it went another tier up and in indie level and then it was like oh crap okay this is this is a big thing and this we're is now... the real deal yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome though so how would how long would you say now has this uh, for the most part right because i i know there's there's it's kind of hard to equate since there's so many points where it was more of like a smaller idea but how long have you been working on it where where you would say you know like the majority of it full time and really like dedicating towards this project I think about a year of full time. Um, the game's like yeah. two years old, but I think it's it's about a year of like full time. Gotcha, gotcha. And so uh, we've talked, you know, a lot about like the crazy idea and the the run up of of how it became. But for those who might not know anything about the game, right? Uh, how would you describe this game to someone? Uh, so Turnip Boy is uh, Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. It's a game about a mischievous turnip who uh, evades his taxes and gets kicked out of his greenhouse by the evil Mayor Onion. Um, so you must do Mayor Onion's dirty deeds in order to get your greenhouse back. And that uh, includes going like across the land uh, to like conquer these these big dungeons uh, that are just like farmhouse uh, farmhouse uh, houses and like equipment. Um, and yeah, so you just go around, do all these crazy things, low key destroy the government along the way. And uh, yeah, commit crime. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I, my favorite thing about this is just the, the wackiness element to the game. And you can tell in a lot of the screenshots, the videos, the, the small snippets of what's been shown in like trailers and demos and things like that. Um, but I, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into that actual story because I, I was confused at one part and I just wanted to kind of see a little bit more. So obviously I don't want us to go into, you know, major spoilers or anything. And I'm sure there's certain things that you can't tell me, but you kind of went into that whole turnip boy is on this mission because of, uh, the mayor, uh, who he's doing his dirty deeds because of, uh, trying to, to repay his debt. Right. At least that's what it seems like. But at the same time, he's. Uh, you're seeing these uh, wanted posters for him. So is he doing this? And like the mayor is making him do this without the rest of the town knowing, but you're like, it's kind of like a shady deal type situation. What does that look like? So uh, there's a little bit of a time pass, time skip between when Turnip Boy actually commits tax evasion and when Mayor Onion like basically pulls him out of his greenhouse and says like, yo, you got to do my jobs. 
Um, <laughs> and so that that's kind of where the, the wanted posters come from. The, the town folk, uh, uh, one of the big things that we push for in the game is that everyone's really stupid. Uh, <laughs> so, like, everyone in the town just kind of doesn't know what taxes are or like blindly obeys to to mayor onion even mayor onion doesn't really know what taxes are which is kind of <laughs> where like the ridiculous number that comes up uh you know what turnip boy owes and also just him taking the greenhouse after turnip boy doesn't pay mm-hmm. um so uh veggie society is just really chaotic and stupid um and so that's just kind of where a lot of these elements come from where they they don't necessarily know what's going on and some of that uh, later gets like discussed and talked about in the the later parts of the story. <laughs> I love it. I mean, vegetables don't have a brain, so hey, it makes sense, right? Um, let's let's talk about the characters though, because how much of the emphasis? It seems like there's a lot of like walking through and actually interacting with these these different uh, you know inhabitants of this world. How much of this is actually you just? talking to them or is there like quests in this game are you going like how much of this is is linear and straightforward from a just go to a dungeon and and fight or are there pieces on the side and interacting with these different individuals um yeah so we use the characters a lot for number one humor um a lot of dry humor in turn boy um another one would be we have like a hat and tax document system within the game. So you can collect different hats for Turnip Boy. Turnip Boy can be bald, which is just amazing. One of my favorite things <laughs> in the game. Nice. That's good. Um, and as you've mentioned before, when you talk about like the wanted poster, you can get those tax documents um, from characters as well by doing like quests for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that affects the ending of the game, how many tax documents you destroy. So it's a way for us to like tell the story, add a little humor in there. And then we do have uh, different side quests as well. Gotcha. And how big of an impact is that different ending system in the game? Because when I think of different endings, I'm thinking of like the difference between, you know, choices matter and it becomes this drastic difference of what you get at the end of the game versus something like Celeste where, right, you do a certain number of things and you get a more fulfilling pie at the end of the game, which is like a very small reward to you, but it's it's a smaller piece. Is that kind of what you're looking at with with this of like, the more you do it, the more you'll get as far as like a, a reward, but it might not be like a drastic difference in ending. Uh, I'd argue so. The way that endings work in Turnip Boy is if you don't. Okay, so when you destroy tax documents, uh, you're basically destroying the government. So because um, there's, it's just so like loosely built in the veggie like town. Like they don't know what's going on. They kind of just scramble stuff together based on what they can find and understand about the the societies that were before them Uh um but once you like go through and destroy everything uh there's like an extra layer uh that gets added on to the ending basically so there's like the non-destroyed government ending and then uh there's the you've destroyed everything oh my god (laughs) the the apocalypse ending uh so yeah it, it, it gets really crazy in the second one i will say Yes, for sure. Uh, it's definitely like not a morality thing because Turnip Boy is just like so chaotic, just as like <laughs> he, a he character. He just doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so definitely, I think like what you're saying, it's like the bigger ending. I would say when gotcha. you destroy all the documents. 
I can't wait to see it. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the actual mechanics in the game. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, right off the bat is really the the main tools that you have. So I've noticed in the game that you have things like a watering can, which is used to uh, grow different crops. Um, you have a sword and you have bombs at your disposal. Are there any other items that we might find along the way or are these the main mechanics that you'll have throughout the game? We have a few more. Uh, so one of the big ones that uh, we're, we're, we're going to start talking about more now that we're closer to launch is uh, move melons. Um, and I, I, I think we're also going to be talking about pedal porters, but a little bit more hush hush uh, about them. Uh, like we're not going to fully show them, but there's there's more mechanics other than that. Uh, and they all play into that plant system where you basically, uh, you know, you grow it and it uh, you can utilize a specific item in order to uh, enhance what you can do with that, that specific plant. Um, like you can with Boom Blooms and the Boom Boot. The alliteration is always so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I can just say bombs and not go fully into that because I probably would have stumbled on that as well. Um, <laughs> Can, let's dive a little bit deeper into that growing crops part because I just want to know, is this more or less a, once you have the watering can, you're able to use it in certain situations that let you use those items? Or is there a, a more deeper uh, kind of complexity to this harvesting aspect to it? Uh, so it, it primarily sticks to the, uh, you know, you find a plant in the wild and you can grow it um, mm -hmm. to, in order to do something with that, that specific plant. Um, there is paddle porters get a little bit more in depth than that. Um, later on, I, I don't really want to spoil too much about them. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Got but, a little uh, mystery. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so, some of the plants have more like deeper interactions. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, they've been really fun to design puzzles around. So we have a ton of like really crazy puzzles that utilize them all. And, uh, the, the, the big uh, destroy the government ending incorporates them as well, which is really was really fun to, to figure out and try to get to work. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, another one about mechanics is just the the actual sword and like combat feel to this game. So you mentioned it and uh, I think it's it's kind of obvious. I think just games with this same similar style kind of lend themselves to have that, like there's probably a, an element of inspiration from Zelda. Um, and, and in this though, you know, most of those games would generally have that same type of swing with a sword. But with this, it seems like there is more of like turnip boy kind of pushing forward, if you will. It seems almost more like a spear at times, the way he attacks. What was the, um, the main reason behind this form of combat? So when uh, I initially like started uh, building Turnip Boy and like like really fleshing it out, I actually like just then was playing the original Legend of Zelda. Um, so if any of the Zelda games are like the biggest inspiration to Turnip Boy, it is the OG first Legend of Zelda, um, and that's like why he does kind of that that stab that uh, Link does in the uh, the original one, where it's just the sword going out. Um, mm -hmm. There was also a lot of inspiration from Minute as well. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, so both those games kind of had that, and I was like, you know, I kind of just have to. You know, like, I, I can't see you doing the sword any other way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we definitely pull a lot from Zelda. Um, we, we have a few Zelda references in the game, too, so uh, we definitely wear it on our sleeve. And yeah, Minute, I loved all of JW's work, so Minute was just kind of like, yeah, you know, <laughs> we want to incorporate a lot of uh, his ideas because his ideas were wonderful. 
Right. That's awesome. Uh, were there any other main inspirations, uh, whether it not be, you know, just video games itself, but maybe things like uh, books, movies, anything else outside that really impacted the way you thought about Turnip Boy? I would say a lot of inspiration came from Adventure Time, actually. Nice. Oh, yeah, man, you guys you. are referencing so many things I love. This is great. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to get my hands on this game. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, with the Adventure Time, we pull a lot from how Adventure Time does storytelling, um, at least if it's like deeper elements, um, you know, the great the great uh, Mushroom War um, and all like the, the, the more advanced character arcs that they have um, and basically how they have that apocalyptic uh, setting that's so like different than like, oh, zombies, you know, uh, so I, that, that's one thing that I, I, I will say openly is that Turnip Boy is... It, the game takes place after the apocalypse, um, so there are it. It, ha, it was a human society, um, mm -hmm. and there are remnants of that human society throughout the game that you will encounter. Um, it's very fresh, the apocalypse, so uh, you'll also see elements of that play out. Um, and we we do a lot of uh, storytelling, kind of like how Adventure Time did with uh, their plots. So yeah, interesting. I like it. Um... How much of this game would it, uh, or how long, excuse me, would it take for me to say complete this from start to finish if I was just mainlining this? That's a very good question. Um, I don't have an exact answer because uh, we found it very hard to kind of gauge how long people play Turnip Boy because you know you have the people that uh, like we we have a vivid speedrunner community already and it's just for the demo uh, that like gone through and you know master dialogue and then it, it really also depends on how much you enjoy reading uh the dialogue uh because we have a lot of like characters who have uh you know specific side quests and extra dialogue if you put in like uh, a little bit extra effort some of which isn't uh always like uh related to like a completionist item mm -hmm. but i'd argue probably around five to six hours for a main completionist run um we try to be very respectful with completionist stuff uh, as someone who, you know, is very completionist, like oriented, like I'm trying to 100% breath of the wild uh, oh, right now. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a struggle. <laughs> um, but I, I very much want people to, if they feel inclined to complete the game, I don't want them to be like sitting there for hours upon hours and like, you know, grueling through grindy stuff and, um, obscure puzzles that make no sense unless you like google them so uh we don't handhold but we try if you need like help and you need resources to to figure something out we try to give that to the player so that they're not stuck on something and nothing's like super obscure and and like what do i have to do to get this we don't we don't have any of those moments um gotcha so yeah you you mentioned a good point uh, about like the not handholding but helping out uh, in in ways where you're not trying to really trick the player. Um, it goes into a question of like accessibility, right? Um, this is just something I ask in in general a lot. Is you know how much of this did did you consider? An accessibility standpoint when creating this game um i don't know how how difficult this game would be but like are there differences with difficulty levels are there differences with you know things that can maybe have small impacts to help a player get through it yeah this was this was something that i pushed yukon on for a while um yeah because i think that this is really important and i take this stuff like mildly to heart with me 
Um, we finally recently got um, with with the with the help of some programming, we finally got rebindable controls, and we have God mode, and we have Yukon. It's adjustable damage, right? Yeah. So depending oh, cool. on the setting, you can uh, basically tr it's a multiplier. So if you find a particular yeah. enemy or boss fight too difficult, you can just boost up your damage and uh, take them out very easily. Uh, yeah, we very much want people to be able to play the game and not feel like, you know, that they have to play on the difficulty that we've specifically, like, built out. Uh, you know, while we encourage it, and um, that is, like, the way we intend it to be played, you know, not everyone might feel the same way and not everyone will want to, to play on that level. So mm -hmm. we built those tools and if you use them, we don't have any, like there's no locks, there's nothing that you can't do with those tools. You can beat the entire game in 100% in God mode and the game will like respect that and give you like all your achievements and everything like that. So That's it's, nice. we try very hard um, and you know, we're always looking at the more accessibility options that we can put in. Um, we have like a lot of repeating patterns in games in the game, so we uh, we made an option to turn that off. We have a few uh, sound effects that might not be great for everyone to hear, so we turned that off. Made an option to turn that off. It's mainly just like a heartbeat effect that um, a few of my friends like really hated when I introduced, and <laughs> yeah, I was like, right. I was like, okay, maybe I should remove that. Interesting. But uh, yeah, it's 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 just like uh, we want people to be able to play through the game and not have to abide by our specific interpretation of what is difficulty and what is the uh the challenge you know right right no that makes sense um i i really like that that interesting part about taking away certain things like the 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 heartbeat noise because you you honestly don't know in a lot of ways what's going to trigger someone in in very various facets because you're a different person than the person beside you right um how how have you been going through? I guess uh, from like a testing phase, like how did you find out these type of things? Is it more a more or less a like sending it over to your buddies kind of point at this uh, stage? Do you have like alpha testers? What does that look like for you? So we do a lot of play testing with our friends. Uh, uh, Jen uh, is the president of IGDA at our school, and so we would do a lot of events, uh, like a lot of the IGDA events when they were still happening, and we would show right. the game there. Uh, we also do have like a, an actual, now, now that we're signed with Graffiti, we have a QA team um, nice. that uh, will go through the game, give us suggestions for accessibility options and uh, different features that could be in, as well as just, you know, of course, finding bugs. And we all take that very to heart and try to incorporate that into the actual game. I think there's a website as well that like lists based off of like difficulty, different accessibility things that you can do. Um, as like a developer, which was really helpful. Graffiti sent that to us. Yeah, um, that, so the that things that we change. thought that were like, that we could do at this stage in the game, um, Yukon like tackled a lot of those. Um, so at this point, I believe it's been confirmed that the game will be releasing on Steam and the Nintendo Switch. I'm not sure. Are there any other additional platforms that you're planning on porting either now or in the future, depending on like the success of the game? Uh, we would love to look into different platforms. I've actually had the game uh, running on an Xbox One uh, closer to like the project's beginning of development. So I can I feel like I could definitely get it running on it again. Um, but we don't have anything, sadly, to announce at this time. Uh, we don't have any plans yet. Uh, it really depends on, on uh, the demand. And then, uh, yeah, we, we just don't have any other yeah. platforms at the moment. 
no, makes sense. Makes total sense. And then as far as, uh, you know, speaking of releases go, uh, I know you can't give me an exact release date. That would be crazy. Um, but I just like to ask this question when these games are upcoming, especially because you have this slated for Q2 of this year. Um, are things still looking well for the team to be able to actually hit that target? You know, how is development going? I'd argue it's going really well. Um, we're, so we're actually code freezing in about a week and a half of this recording. Um, so, and we're, we're on track to meet that, um, as far as I'm concerned, Jen has a bit of, uh, art she needs to do, but I think that we have it all under control. Yeah. We're really close. It's pretty wild. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's crazy. Cause you know, this was definitely like the vision that we had for the game when we first, uh, you know, thought it up and it's crazy to like actually be able to sit down and like play it, you know? Um, yeah. Especially with just like how largest project is compared to the stuff we've worked on before you know like other projects we've been on it's just like either it's like a during the summer contract or like a mobile game that we were all like working on during a game jam so it's pretty surreal like nothing's ever really lasted like a year plus yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome to hear though i mean hey uh big projects you know they're uh bit scary but i'm sure once and i'm sure you're already at that point but i'm sure you're you're both relieved and uh, extremely like uh i don't want to say proud because it's a weird way to put it but like you know just looking back at it i'm sure there's a lot of like positive feelings towards like wow we we accomplished this you know right like i'm sure especially as as your first uh mainline project it must feel good to be able to look back and see like how much has gone into this yeah, it's it's insane. Like whenever um I play the game, like from like there have been nights where I'll just start, like I'll sit down and be like, okay, I kind of just want to play the game, and I'll play it from start to finish. It's just always like a wild ride of emotions. Like I think I've I've teared up several times on the uh, the ending, which is is definitely uh it, it, it's a really good feeling to be like, oh hey, like this is kind of what we wanted to build, and it's here mm-hmm. in front of us which is just really cool. I know Jordan posts uh, a lot on Snapchat where he'll he'll like take a video of like the game starting up and he's like, it's crazy that we can have a, a game like this. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> weird because like you grow up with that. Like you like, I mean, we all had like consoles growing up and like just booting up the game and it's just like the studio and the publisher and like all the stuff that they use. But then like this time it's like Turnip Boy with Snoozy Kazoo and Graffiti Games and we put time into this and that's like our thing. And it's still surreal to look at when I boot it up. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. It's that's wild. Simple. I didn't think I'd be owning a game studio at uh, <laughs> 22. <laughs> <laughs> well, crazier things. Um, so before we wrap this up, I have a few last questions. The first one, let's start off with uh, kind of a, a, a jokey one. Um, there are collectibles in this game. Uh, apparently there are hats uh, that you can wear. And I know Jen already kind of mentioned one, but I just wanted to get from all the people who are on this call uh, that have been working on this. What's your favorite hat that you can find in the game? Uh, first, my, my I, I really like the bald one. I'm sorry, <laughs> the bald one is really funny. Yeah, the bald one's really good. My favorite's probably the the fedora. My favorite is it, it's my favorite because of one interaction I had with graffiti on it, where um, when I first implemented it, I made just a text "milady" uh, for like the, <laughs> the description, and uh, I remember. Uh, 
Alex Van Lepp, um, who's part of Graffiti. Uh, I, I remember, I think I sent him a video or a screenshot of the fedora, and he was like, oh my god, can you make it say Milady? And I'm like, don't worry, I already did. <laughs> it, was, it was just a great interaction. It was like, oh my god. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got fedora was mine too for sure because you can't put milady as the description. It was so funny, yeah. um, but I also like the the crown, which is you can get that in the demo as well. Yeah. Crown's pretty pretty cute. <laughs> Very cool. And then uh, to wrap this all up, I always love asking this question of all the people who are on here because if anyone is listening and interested in getting to this space, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into this. Obviously there are things that you learn along the way. Um, for those listening who might be interested in actually starting their own project, you know, what are some tips or maybe things that you've learned or that have helped you from you know going through all those those smaller game jams to now? Uh, almost completing your own fully fledged game. Um, I can I can start. I think those smaller game jams and working with a bunch of different people and the people that you want to start like a larger studio with is really important because you learn how to communicate with each other, um, how to work with each other. Like if you can't ask for something and doesn't give me a lot of detail, I kind of already know what he wants because we've worked on so many projects together in the past. Uh, and I think working on a lot of those smaller projects really helps build that communication uh, between the three of us. So that would, that would be my tip. Like work on just a lot of stuff and have fun with it and just see who you work well with. I would say, so I'm going to come in with my, my business and my, my marketing, my marketing perspective on yes. this, unfortunately. <laughs> so the thing that I made really clear when we started this and I finally broke UConn on this I was like, Yukon, if you're doing this, you're not starting an indie studio. You are starting a small business. When you do this, there's a lot of things that you need to think about that a lot of us have no conception of, and I still don't have any conception of it because Yukon handled all of it, thank God. <laughs> um, like you, you are starting a small business, so if you need to be prepared for that, you got to go in with the mindset that we need to get this out to as many people as possible, and you are making a product. Like mm -hmm. this is a thing that we're shipping to people. Like this is like a thing that you're going to be able to purchase. Like it needs to still like fall into. All of these businessy things that sometimes get swept under the rug and we just kind of we just kind of call it game dev um <sighs> so don't really ever forget about that because it's not gonna go away unfortunately <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy how many like there's so many people who they have that dream right of like i want to create my own game or i want to tell my own story and it's like that's great but there's a lot more that goes into it than just creating the game unfortunately like it, there's there's process Right, exactly. Like, there's a lot of people who are there to help you or who enjoy it more or, you know, whatever it might be. But a lot of people just think of it as the, like, I'll create a game and then the rest will just fall into place. And that's unfortunately, in a lot of times, not going to be the case. Yeah, exactly. As, as the one who, like, did a lot of the business stuff, there's just a lot of, like, hurdles you kind of have to jump that, you know, are completely out of your, like, I get, I guess, understanding of, you know, what to do. Because, like, I was trained a programmer um you know I, I do a lot of design i do pixel art as well but no one's ever like taught me like how do you start an llc how do you talk to a lawyer how do you how do yeah. you do your taxes you know <laughs> so which well, is really I ironic mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep 
So I it, think it, we specifically learned more about taxes through the development of Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, which is really funny. Yeah, we definitely started with like no understanding. And now here we are, like I'm trying to file my business taxes and I'm just <laughs> screaming internally. <laughs> did, some, did some things change halfway through where you're like, oh, maybe we can make this more realistic, like after learning that? Yeah, actually a few things. Like I, I remember we, we put in uh, a 1099 after me and Jen got ours. <laughs> um for yeah for working on slayers but uh yeah i i think my advice though overall um for for like newer developers uh is i guess start small and i feel like a lot of people have that advice but they don't really Mm -hmm. like go into it because i feel like a lot of people when they start out they're like i want to make like the grandest game you know like they they play like all the triple a games nowadays and it's like you know mmos or massively online games or like uh, you know, these RPGs are, are just games with like insane amount of hour lengths. And so they always think like, oh, I want to make something like them. You know, like I want to build something uh, big, but they don't seem to realize that, uh, that, that just building something big isn't interesting. You know, like <laughs> right. uh, you can build the world's biggest RPG, you know, you can build the world's biggest uh, MMO or like shooter, but unless your game has something interesting that stands out, nobody's going to care about it. You know, they'll, they'll, it'll just be another one of those shooters or another one of those RPGs. Um, and then, of course, you'll get stuck in the development hell because you won't know what you're doing. You're going to reprogram the same systems over and over until they get better. And then you're just going to be pumping code into something that, like, you probably shouldn't be. So I guess my advice to people is, uh, when starting out, definitely think small, but think interesting. You don't have to make mm-hmm. a boring game. You don't have to make Pong for the 400th time, you know? <laughs> um, think of, like, if you're going to do a Pong tutorial, think of something that would make it wild, you know? Like, I don't know, add guns to Pong or something. Like, uh, do something that hasn't been done before within that space and go as far as you can if you want with absurdity um, because that's what will make an interesting game, not hours and hours of content. Yeah. But yeah. I agree. I think it makes sense. Um, all great points, all uh, wonderful things. Thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, for those who are listening, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion is currently in development, as you can tell. Uh, but if any of this sounds interesting to you, be sure to head over to their Steam page. Uh, check it out. Make sure you uh, hit that wishlist button. It helps with discoverability. I'm sure they will appreciate it. Um, but once again, thank you to the entire team and uh, best of luck with the game. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.